Welcome to Pollinators and Power. I'm Terry Oxford, and I'm a pollinator advocate in San Francisco, California. Today, I'm talking with Tom Theobald. Tom is a beekeeper who lives in Colorado, and Tom has been sounding the alarm about the overuse and accumulation of neonicotinoids in our environment since they came on the market, almost. Uh, he was one of the first to call out neonics as a danger to bees in the American beekeeping world. He is a beekeeper and owner of Niwot Honey Farm for 35 years. He's one of the founders of the Boulder County Beekeepers Association and its president for 30 years. Uh, he still has a vlog at the Boulder Beekeepers Association site, Tom's Corner. It's really great, you should check into it. Tom was the last county bee inspector in the state of Colorado a position that was created in 1861 and retired in 2000. I've included two interviews here with Tom. The first one is about the recent Center for Food Safety lawsuit against the EPA. Tom was a plaintiff in that case. This litigation stemmed from a 2013 lawsuit brought by the Center for Food Safety on behalf of a coalition of conservationists and beekeepers. The civil complaint accused the EPA of failing to protect pollinators, beekeepers, and endangered species from these dangerous poisons. The lawsuit just ended in a settlement where 12 neonics were pulled from the market. Tom goes into the reasons why this was not a good settlement, how it harmed further our environment, and the fact that these 12 neonics were not successful products by the industry, and they didn't mind pulling them anyway, were probably planning on it. So they gave up nothing and looked like they were settling and making agreements. Tom talks about the non-win of this settlement, how its greenwashing gives the very agencies and the pesticide industry the perception of doing something right without doing anything at all. The second interview with Tom Theobald is about the re recent EPA decision to increase the use of the deadly neonic sulfoxiflor. Tom goes into why the EPA is breaking law and destroying nature while they're at it. Tom talks about our regulatory system, its supporters, pesticide enablers and apologists within our system, and how the land-grant universities are a huge part of the problem. Thank you, Tom, for talking with me today. Tom, Go ahead and just describe the lawsuit and go into what's happened as a result or the settlement agreement and your thoughts about that being one of the plaintiffs. The uh, lawsuit that I was involved in was filed in March of 2013, and it was filed by several NGOs. The lead NGO was the Center for Food Safety, and they were the primary legal team in this lawsuit. And there were four beekeepers who gave this lawsuit standing in a court of law. And three of them were larger commercial beekeepers, two of them migratory, one of them a major honey producer in Florida. And then I was the smallest of the group with a couple of hundred colonies, uh, a locally based honey business. I was like a, a family farmer. My livestock was bees and my crop was honey. And there were some very serious charges raised in the original lawsuit, uh, one of which was a petition that had been filed previously against the EPA, which included over a million signatures and called the EPA to task for its uh, failure to properly register pesticides, specifically the neonicotinoid clothianidin, which was put on the market in 2003 with a conditional registration 
the condition being that a life cycle study be conducted within the first year to assure that the clothianidin did not present an unreasonable hazard to the honeybee. That was one of the concerns. Uh, another concern was the improper labeling and improper testing for the safety of the pesticides. The EPA simply ignored it, and subsequently it became a part of the lawsuit. What we finally wound up with, the, the court dismissed most of the challenges that had been raised for one reason or another, for administrative reasons or judicial reasons. What we finally wound up with was the conclusion of the court that the EPA had systematically violated federal law in the registration of 59 different neonicotinoid products. And the key here, I think, what little crumb we got from this is the use of the word systematically. That's about as close as the court is going to come uh, to concluding that the EPA had violated the law, had demonstrated a pattern of violation of the law over time. This wasn't simply a lapse of judgment or a mistake here and there. This was a systematic violation of federal law. So that was the final element of the suit that remained. And it was the final uh, settlement that caused me concern, and that is that here was the settlement. Of those 59, the EPA and its three, I think they're called interveners, they're chemical companies, I'd call them collaborators, but that's probably not the right judicial term, agreed to, uh, to remove from the market 12 neonicotinoid products, 12 of the 59. Very small return after five years in which the four beekeepers involved saw nothing but continued carnage. Had we been prepared to just lick our wounds and move on, I would have remained silent. But just recently, the lead attorney for the Center for Food Safety put out a press release declaring that the removal of these 12 neonicotinoid products was a significant achievement. Well, it wasn't. And I've taken issue with that. And, and it's unfortunate that I have to oppose people who had worked so hard and been so helpful. And had that issue not been raised, I would have remained silent. But those 12 products were insignificant products, and their removal from the market will have absolutely no effect whatsoever on the massive poisoning that's going on. And they're irrelevant, insignificant products. The Center for Food Safety apparently wants to beat the drum and declare victory in the face of what I consider to be an humiliating defeat. To make matters worse, now the EPA and the chemical companies have engineered a series of several declaring the same thing, that this was a great step forward and this was a significant accomplishment. And the press release by the Center of Food Safety, Safety simply adds fuel to that fire. And, and I think that's very unfortunate because this was not a significant accomplishment. Uh, I think one of the terms that was used was that this was a step in the right direction. Well, we faced this problem for 25 years. We're beyond steps in the right direction. We have to have more than steps in the right direction. As I've said in the past, from the neonicotinoids alone, we're seeing what may be the most massive poisoning 
of the environment in the history of humanity. So that's why I, I reacted to the press release. Well, and I've been talking with you for about two years now, and we've, you know, we talk about this. We talk about neonicotinoids. We talk about agricultural products. We talk about bees and wildlife and, and nature and native bees. And I've never heard you so alarmed at, you know, since this settlement agreement came out because because of the opportunity it could have been and because of the greenwashing it has turned into. And the pesticide industry is just loving this. Yeah, that's the sad part. And and the Center for Food Safety is feeding into that, trying to make themselves look good, trying to make them make it look like they have achieved something. And I don't dismiss their hard work. The primary attorney through most of this was Peter Jenkins. And I admire Peter. And Peter tried very hard. They all tried very hard. And they were stifled by the courts and by huge odds that they were up against. You know, and Tom, I think that that's, that's the larger story here is that, you know, they were trying to do the right thing. They are taking it as an opportunity now because everybody has to show a win at some point with these um, with these fights against the industry. But the industry has gamed the system. It sounds like that's what the original lawsuit was about, was the EPA was disregarding federal law for years about the safety of these products, that they are not safe. And they disregarded that. And so these people have worked with the courts, you know, with the legal system, with the legislators, with all of our infrastructure to create a road and an avenue for them to be able to use these products and make a lot of money to all of our detriment. That's the larger story, I think. I don't, I can't speak for the other beekeepers, but my feeling as we came toward the end was that absolutely no, no, we should not settle, that we should go to the public with the whole sordid story to show just what we were up against and what the EPA's position had been in the light of very serious failures on their part. I thought that was the only thing that we had to gain from five years of commitment to that lawsuit. Well, the Center for Food Safety legal people didn't want that. And in effect, they threw us under the bus. The beekeepers got nothing from this lawsuit. The carnage continued. It, it continued unabated and will continue unabated in spite of the withdrawal of these 12 insignificant products. I've said many times before and invited the challenge from the industry, but what we're seeing today every year is the toxic equivalent going into the environment of 400 billion pounds of DDT. 400 billion pounds. In its year of highest usage, DDT represented 80 million pounds. We're seeing a horrible poisoning of the environment and a collapse of the insect world around the globe and small steps in the right direction and trying to make victories out of failures is not accomplishing anything. The lawsuit was supposed to fix a broken regulatory system and eliminate the class of, of, of neonics as an insecticide, that these poisons are being banned all around the world except in the United States and Canada. Well, unfortunately, anyone who's paid close attention to these problems recognizes that in the United States, the EPA, at least in the insect, the Office of Pesticide Programs, the portion of the EPA that we deal most directly with, is simply an agent of the chemical industry. 
chemical industry uses them to endorse their products, to legitimize them so that they can go on the market and then run interference for the chemical industry. The EPA is totally corrupted. And I feel very sorry for the people in the EPA who want to do the right thing. I know there are people in there who are very conflicted over what their agency has been doing. It's interesting. You and I have talked about this before, about why people do not stand up. You know, if bees are dying of these poisons, we're certainly dying of these poisons. And there's a disconnect in people that they think, you know, what they put in their food is being um, cleared and okayed by a regulatory system that we clearly see is broken and has been. And I'm just wondering what it is, you know, I just don't understand why there aren't more of us standing up. I think one of the things I'm most surprised by is the failures, and maybe this is going to sound sexist, and if so, that it is, but is the failure of American mothers to rise up to what their children are being subjected to. You don't have to think back too many years to remember mad mothers against drunk driving. And they had a real effect. They organized and they spoke out. Well, we have a situation where the neonicotinoids, the pesticide in question, we're seeing more and more evidence that we're inducing neurological and behavioral problems primarily in young children in the developmental years, why the mothers of America haven't risen up in defense of their children, I don't understand. I don't understand why they haven't. I don't think they know. I don't think they know. I think that there's a sort of um, an unexplored, uh, non-skeptical, blind trust that what is in your grocery store is safe. I think people believe that the system exists that is not there. We know it's not there. We've been looking at this for a lot of years and we know that when you poke it, you see it's full of holes and you see that it's been funded by the industries it's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be regulating. So that just speaks to a corruption level that is deep, deep. And, um, and so I don't think people are aware and that, you know, I think they need, they need to know, which is why we're doing this, but yeah, I agree. And I think it's anybody, anybody who eats food needs to know that the food is not safe. That's why I'm so glad the Roundup trials are happening right now, linking that to cancer in humans, because these cancers that are affecting humans have been affecting all of nature. It's not just honeybees. It's uh, wild bees. It's native bees. It's fish. It's amphibians. It's lizards. It's everything. It's, it's bird yeah, it's life. Birds. It's working its way up the food chain and it will eventually reach us. It's already reaching us. It is reaching us. us. They're just not, they're not looking at it because what you don't look at doesn't get studied. You know, this is my favorite subject. <laughs> Talk to me about the land grant universities and their influence on the narrative about about what is killing honeybees. As many people may know, I spent the first 10 years of my working life in the corporate world. And even at that young age, I had the good fortune to be involved in very important decisions. I was in the smoke-filled rooms. I was privy to a lot of the uh, decisions that were being made. And I 
even then, I understood that if you wanted to understand how the world operated, you needed to understand how the corporations worked. And I got a good education. Well, looking back, given that experience, if I were in the boardrooms of these chemical companies, I would, and I had no ethics and no conscience, I would be doing exactly what they're doing. And what they've done is they've infiltrated any agency that can have an influence over the success of their objectives. That's why they have corrupted the EPA. The EPA is their marketing agent. It approves their products and runs interference for them when the problems arise. They've captured the EPA. Well, the EPA is one. Another of those is the land-grant college system, which has an extension service that reaches out to the public and to farmers with scientific information. They're kind of an intermediary between academia and the people. And what the chemical companies have done is they've greased the land-grant colleges with money contributions. Money is really the lubricant here. And they have corrupted the land-grant system to not oppose and in many cases promote what the chemical industry wants them to do. So the land-grant college system has become very suspect. And we had an incident here in Colorado just recently. The University of Minnesota has a group called the Bee Squad. And this Bee Squad goes around to various beekeeping educational forums and informs and educates the new beekeepers who are appearing on the scene. And there was a panel discussion at the Conference for World Affairs here at the University of Colorado, a worldwide well-known conference that's occurred every year for many years. And it was, the subject was, will the bees save the world? And the lead speaker was the director of the bee squad. And she was asked what role she thought the neonicotinoids were playing in the losses we were experiencing. She left the question off and proceeded to explain that neonicotinoids are really an insignificant ingredient in the bee losses. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. This is a person with a PhD who at the very least has the responsibility to professionally interpret the science. And the science connecting the neonicotinoids to worldwide bee losses and losses of other life forms as well is overwhelming. And to sit before a panel and make the statements that were made is just unbelievable, and it's a condemnation of the land-grant college system. Yeah, that's been my experience, too. Um, Listening to professionals out of the land-grant university, they just constantly poo-poo any neonicotinoid conversation and shut it down. They shut it down so quickly that that really sparked my interest and helped me to dig into it and understand it to where you understand it. Now I, I'm not incredulous anymore when I hear land-grant universities saying that neonics are not a problem for bees, because that's what they tell industry. That's the feedback I get from nursery growers. They say UC Davis says neonics are not a problem for bees. So that's how the message trickles all the way down to the ground, to the boots on the ground experience. And why, when you go to these big box stores or you go to your just your, your local nursery, they're filled with a toxic mix of all sorts of systemic poisons that kill pollinators. In fairness, there are people in the land grant system who do understand the problem. 
they're throttled and silenced, unfortunately, just like those people who understand in the EPA. The system, the system is corrupt, and we need to do some major reorganization if there's any hope to change. We may already be over the edge. I, I hope I'm wrong, but one of the th things I've learned by being forced to focus on these issues is that, as I've said, the, the environmental poisoning is massive. It's almost beyond comprehension what's been done for profit. Yeah, and I think that um, I think the time is now. I, looking at our natural world, it doesn't seem like there's much time left. I know biomass is down around the world. They're saying close to seventy-five percent. That's like losing all the krill in the ocean. Tom, just tell me really quickly why neonics. So say the numbers again. The the amount of pounds of this stuff and their toxic equivalent to DDT, but also mention, please, how long they last and that they don't go away. They're in the plant. You couldn't think of a worse pesticide if you were concerned about the health of the environment. They compare these by pounds, and that I've said in the past that that's totally inappropriate. It's like comparing uh, rocks and nuclear warheads, both weapons, by weighing them. But that's part of the, that's part of the fiction. Using using DDT as the reference point of one in the year of highest usage, 80 million pounds of DDT were used. What's reported today for the neonicotinoids is four million pounds a year. Well, that looks pretty good if you're talking about pounds. That looks pretty good. But what the what you're not being told is that 90 percent of the use is as seed treatments which the EPA has concluded is not a pesticide use, and that comes in under the radar. So what's really going into the environment every year is 40 million pounds, not 4 million. And that 40 million pounds for the lower-level life forms is five to 10,000 times more toxic than DDT. If you carry out the math, what that means is that every year going into the environment is about 400 billion pounds of DDT. We know what the destruction was back in the 50s and 60s with 80 million pounds. Imagine what's happening out there with 400 billion pounds. And you don't have to imagine because the evidence is all around us. And to make matters worse, these are poisons which are water-soluble and only about 5% of the seed coating goes into the plant, the balance goes into the soil and the groundwater and moves readily with the groundwater. These are water-soluble pesticides. And to make matters worse, these have half-lives of years. The, the longest that we have found was in Saskatchewan, where the half-life was 19 years. At the end of 19 years, you still have half of that product left. If you extrapolate that, what it means is it would take about 100 years for the environment to purge itself of that substance. Now, it gets even worse, if it can get worse, because these these pesticides, the neonicotinoids, the effect on the synapses, the nerve connections, is cumulative and irreversible. And what that means, that even the tiniest dose, given sufficient time, will produce death. It's just a matter of time as to how long it takes that organism to accumulate a toxic load. And we have contaminated the environment 
with these pesticides and they're going to be there for decades. But the people that are supposed to be speaking for the health of the honeybee and now for the health of native bees are the ones that are the most silent about these dangers and the ones who who discount the dangers and will not they won't even allow the conversation anymore like how what happened in Colorado what you were just speaking about with the bee squad professor or um, academic was saying they're not a problem in all of her demeanor because uh, that's the that's the shocking experience for me is is why beekeepers as a large group never stood up in the United States like they did in France and they did in uh, Germany and Italy and they've got some traction now in, in banning these uh, chemicals and getting the word out that this is too deadly for use but here in the United States the beekeeping associations and I find the land-grant university uh, entomologists and big beekeepers and I'll just say it Eric Musson are the uh, are the loudest voices, and Randy Oliver, too, saying that neonics are not the problem. They don't even discuss it. Well, they certainly they certainly haven't disallowed it. They haven't spoken out against it. They don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. And there's, and there's lots of money coming into the land-grant system by way of the chemical companies and big ag. And they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. You know, they're just like the rest of us. They have mortgages. They have house payments. They have careers. They have children. And they're not going to sacrifice all of that for a principle. Do you want to not discuss names like Eric Musson and Randy Oliver? No, but I'm thrilled when you do. (laughs) (laughs) The system is deeply corrupted deeply corrupted and that corruption goes all the way up and down all the way like the department of food and agriculture the usda my goodness (laughs) um yeah and and but the thing that i have the largest problem with and why i have i I say i take such issue with the land-grant universities is because we trust them that's where the trust factor comes in that's where the blind trust comes in they trust the universities more. Of course. You know, people trust. The chemical companies have been brilliant in the manipulation of the agencies that affect their success. It's so very frustrating. I've been doing this for a long time. You know, one of the things that happened during the five-year course of the lawsuit was I was put out of business by these chemicals. My operation is over. I'm history. You and a lot of other people, I don't know how the guys, the commercial beekeepers, which is so interesting because the commercial beekeepers hate these chemicals too, but that's not news. That's not news. Like the New York Times ran a story not too long ago, maybe six months ago, and about, um, I want to say it was Steve Ellis, I can't remember, but it was a migratory beekeeper, huge beekeeper. And didn't mention pesticides. It was amazing. That was the New York Times. I was like, wow, they've got everybody. Of course, of course. You know, we're we're doing this. We're doing this for nothing. The PhD that uh, says that neonicotinoids are not a problem, knocking down a hundred, a hundred and twenty thousand a year. I don't know. I don't know what they're paid, but it's certainly more than we're getting for doing these interviews. <laughs> 
You know, it's so funny because that's the truth. It's like there is a lot of money to be made in destroying the planet. And there's zero money to be made in keeping it alive and helping save it. We might we might be hell on wheels if they actually paid us. <laughs> I know I would be. <laughs> okay, Tom, thank you so much for speaking with me. Um, it's, uh, as usual, informative, insightful, and infuriating. Uh, I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're a fighter and that you have stood up as you have. The three eyes, the three eyes, informative, insightful, and infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Tom, thank you so much. Okay, Terry, thanks for your efforts, too. I'm Terry Oxford, and this is Pollinators and Power. Thanks for listening. <laughs>